Have you ever wondered if it's worth going to writing events and is it worth your money and is it really worth your time? And what if you are sort of further along in your career and then you might be speculating about is it worth creating some of my own events? That's what we're going to talk about here today. If you're a fantasy author, then you've come to the right place. My name is Jesper, and together with Autumn, we've published more than 20 books. And it is our aim to help you in your writing and marketing endeavors. So today I have been joined by somebody else, and actually it's the guys from the Career Author Podcast. I listen to their podcast every week, and I will put the link in the description field below for their podcast so that you can go and listen to it if you want. But the reason that I wanted them on here to cover this topic is because I know that they have talked about it before because and that they also have both of the perspectives on this thing so they both joined conventions by themselves as a participant but they have also and are creating events for other authors themselves so we wanted to try to cover both angles here and uh, welcome to uh, the I'm writing fantasy uh, channel uh, James Sack. Yeah thanks Jasper we're, we're uh, really happy to be here. Yeah thanks for having us. Thanks a lot. And uh, well, I, I guess we can sort of just jump right into it. I know you guys have participated. If we start with sort of the participation angle, and I know you guys have gone through different events just as participants where you have not been the organizer of it. But I wonder if you could sort of share a bit about is it is it worth the time and the money that it takes to go to these events? And if you do go to these events, how should you go about it to make sure that you actually get anything out of it? Because uh, it, it is at least, I think, quite a both expansion of time, but but also as, as introvert authors, maybe it's not the coolest thing that we can think of to do. So <laughs> is it worth it? Yeah, I think it's totally worth it. I can say that without hesitation. Uh, I'm thinking back on some of the live events I've done more recently. So I've done, I did the Indie Author Lab that was put on by Publishers Weekly uh, last year. I did podcast movement, I think, in 2016, 2017, which is sort of like a big convention. Uh, I did uh, Story Grid certified training and a, and a Story Grid weekend with Sean Coyne last year and a couple years ago. Uh, so, yeah, participation, I think, is, is really important in those. And, and I think what's most important is that it's not necessarily what you think you're going to get. It's going to be what happens when you're there that you can't plan for, you can't anticipate. Things like conversations with other authors uh, over a cup of coffee that leads to a further discussion that leads to a possible project or you know you meet someone who happens to know somebody else and and it's a good connection that way and i i hesitate to use the term networking because especially for introverts that makes our skin crawl uh, <laughs> it's got sort of this really dirty connotation but um it really isn't it's not networking in the in the sleazy internet marketer sense it's more about making connections with other people and and really allowing yourself to be in the moment and to absorb what's happening. Uh, certainly, the speakers and the content is important, and and I think people will probably only sign up for events that they believe are going to help further their career. Um, but I don't think that's the main reason for going to a live event. I really believe it's the interaction with the other participants, possibly the people who are uh, putting on the event. And then all the potential that comes from that. And even if I don't meet someone and I don't have a very uh, concrete outcome from that meeting, there's always a skill or a strategy or a new way of looking at things that, that comes out of those events that doesn't happen for me online. 
Yeah, and I, and I know, especially from uh, what you've shared in, in the past as well, Jada, that you, you get quite exhausted from uh, these, uh, <laughs> these in-person events things. So how do you go about it? You know, if you are, if you are uh, like an author who are very introvert and don't really like seeing other people, do you sort of mentally pitch yourself up to say, okay, I need to talk to three people today, or how, how do you do it? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, I mean, it is, it's a very broad generalization that, that creatives are introverts. Not all creatives are introverts. But I, I, anecdotally, in my experience, I've found most of the writers I deal with are introverted or towards the introversion scale of, of the Myers-Briggs. And, and there's really sort of two ways uh, an introvert can approach a live event to make it more manageable. The first one is exactly, Jesper, what you, what you mentioned, which is to kind of set a little gamify it for yourself and just say, okay, today at this event, I'm going to talk to at least two people I don't know. I'm going to introduce myself to two people or one person. Like it doesn't matter the number, right? It's that you are, you are creating a little incentive for yourself that will um, put you in the right mindset and sort of open, um, you, you're sort of opening your mind to, to meeting other people. But then on the flip side, it's really important to both at the event and after the event to have time to decompress. And I think this is where introverts really have to do this for themselves because it's not usually built into the events. You need time within the day of the event to go and sit by yourself for 30 minutes or go read a book or go journal or just go and not talk to anybody. Like that has to be built into the day. And then I think it's also good, and I think this applies to, for extroverts as well, when, once you get home from the event, you need time to decompress as well. I think it's really hard to just kind of jump right back into your into your daily grind. You, you need time to process. You need time to recharge and, and get some of that energy back because for introverts, being in those crowded environments is, is not impossible. And it's not that we hate it. That's a misconception. It's just very draining on, on your energy. And you need, to, you need to be able to wait to do that. And, and at, sort of at a secondary level, I think it's really important both leading up to, during, and after the event that you are paying very close attention to your biological needs, making sure you're getting enough sleep, you're eating properly, you're exercising if possible, because there's a tendency at these events to kind of go off the rails and eat and drink and, 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 you know, and do things that you wouldn't do at home. I call it living like a teenager. And, and so <laughs> if you're not a teenager that, you know, that's going to take its toll too. So I think all of that, taking that sort of comprehensive approach can really make, not only the experience great, but make uh, the least amount of disruption in your day. I'll also add real quick, like, I mean, I'm definitely, Jay will straight up call me an extrovert. I don't know if I'd go that far. I mean, I definitely have introvert tendencies, but um, I'm definitely more extroverted than he is and a lot of other authors. And But I, I, to me, one thing I've noticed being at these events, though, too, is that, you know, this is, it's not the same thing as going to, like, a cocktail party or, like, a work Christmas party or something. I mean, there's a lot of other people in the room who are like you. And I think that knowing that comfort and that you're not the only introvert, most of the room is going to be introverted. From what I've seen, I think that really helps open up people talk. And I know with our bigger events, specifically our conferences, you know, we try to, uh, you know, we, we do like the round tables where people are kind of 
forced to sit together, but it's not like there's never really been any kind of uncomfortable thing from. And then we have our genre dinners where people are put together by their genre. So like, we're kind of encouraging people to kind of break out of that a little bit, but not in like a funky, like, uh, you know, speed dating type of way or something like that. It's like really uncomfortable, you know? So that's just kind of my perspective from being a little less introvert, or much less introvert, I guess you'd say. Yeah, yeah. I think I think from my own experience when I've been to sort of conferences or events or stuff like that is, it, it's not as hard to strike up the conversations as one might think. You know, you're just sitting at the table, and as long as you sort of smile and are open to people, then usually you can start talking. But where I think it's a bit difficult, and where I'm curious what what you guys say about this, because the aftermath of it, you know, okay, so you got home, you talked to five people, but how and why should you get in contact with them again? That that part is a bit myst- mystical to me, you know. How are you supposed to do that? I mean, okay, I can just find a, send an email to somebody, hey, it was great seeing you at that event, but that's it's a bit, yeah, I don't know. I think that's a good first step, and a lot of times it, you don't really know how or when or if that's going to happen. Uh, I remember I, I went to podcast podcast movement when it was in Chicago with Brian Cohen up from the Somewhere Book Show, and he's very outgoing and extroverted, and he had no problem walking up and talking to a lot of people. And and I think that was good for me. And I, and I think if you are if you tend to be more introverted and you have a more of an extroverted buddy that you can bring <laughs> with you, I, I think you can play off each other's strengths in that way. And so I was able to kind of kind of tag along with Brian. And then like I was really good at sort of looking at all the offerings and saying, okay, well why don't we look at this one and sort of thinking about this one. And that was not something Brian was like really good at. So we, we kind of, we kind of balanced that out. And, and then what I did was when I came home of all the people I met, I did exactly what you said. I, I sent an email and just said, Hey, it was really nice to meet you a podcast movement. Um, if you, if there's anything I can ever help you with, just reach out. And I, and I kind of gave myself permission to leave it at that. And I thought, you know, I'm going to do that. It's, it's sort of, uh, it's courteous, it's kind. And um, if something's meant to come from that, I'll hear back from them. And some people I did and some people I didn't. And, and you just never know. I, I think the big thing that we always preach is that if you start a relationship by giving as opposed to asking, it's always, it's always better that way. So even, even a following up with a thank you from a live event, I think if you're just saying, hey, thanks a lot. If, I, if there's anything I can ever do for you, just let me know. And then leave it at that. I think um, that's that's a good way to approach it. Not feeling that pressure to sort of work all those contacts that you just, you know, that you just got, all or all those business cards you collected. I don't I don't think you necessarily have to have to force yourself to you know make connections with those people that aren't uh, natural. Is there any specific events that is better? I mean, I. I'm going to put you a bit on the spot here, so it's okay if you don't know, but but I'm just thinking that some of the people who are watching this video and or listening to this podcast might be people who are also pursuing more traditional publishing route. So are there, in your view, certain places that are better than other if, if anybody wants to go there? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's perfect timing because as we're recording this, I'm about uh, three weeks away from heading to New York City for Thriller Fest for the first time. Uh, so I, I think uh, you know if your listeners are not familiar, Thriller Fest is the annual gathering for the thriller writers, and that's where they have all their awards. And there's Pitch Fest, and agents are there. Uh, in fact, I'm going to Pitch Fest. I'm going to be pitching a, a project to, um, to to several agents, 
And I think every sort of uh, top-level genre has that annual gathering. Like for the Horror Writers Association, they have StokerCon. Uh, I think RWA probably has some. RWA has a big gathering. Uh, the uh, Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America have an annual gathering. So I think if you are uh, looking for you know an agent or if you're more interested in sort of the traditional publishing world, those 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 are the events that you want to attend and those are the big ones and uh, and and they're they're somewhat affordable like they're not they're not out of reach I think for you know a few hundred dollars per ticket uh, you can you can go to any one of those and uh, and I think that that would be a great way for for people to get to know what what that industry is like so it, it, I guess we can conclude that it's definitely worth going to to these events, and and you need to put a bit of your extrovert hat on and and, and go through the doors and, and try to build a bit of relations. But but I'm wondering then if if we sort of jump into the time machine here and say then we fast forward a couple of years, and now uh, the people listening or watching the video they have sort of grown a certain or gotten to a certain level in their career. And they're starting thinking, okay, maybe it would be cool to actually organize some events on my own and, and thus maybe use it as supplement, supplementary income to my book selling or whatever it may be. Maybe it would be worth, if you guys just spent like a minute talking a bit about what you guys are doing and who you are. And so just to set the scene a bit for talking about what kind of events you are arranging and how you're going about it and what you're thinking about and so forth. Yeah, we... Uh the whole thing started kind of funny for us. I mean, it really came out of, we ended up doing a, our, Authors on a Train is kind of our like uh, event that really spawned it. And that came out of us going on a train trip with Lindsay Broker and Joanna Penn and spending a week writing an event. Like we went, rode on a train, planned a book out, and then spent a week in New Orleans, Louisiana, um, writing a whole novella together. And, you know, Jay and I were sitting outside one night uh, having, having a burger before we went to a concert while we were in New Orleans. And we just kind of were like, man, like, why couldn't we do this with other people? This is like a really cool niche event type of thing that really we, didn't, we don't see anyone else doing stuff like this. Like you see people doing writer's retreats where they'll go like rent a cabin and everyone will work on their own stuff. And, um, you know, you see the conferences and stuff, but you really don't see these like smaller, really unique things like who else was taking people on a train and then like, you know, yeah. it's a really weird thing. And that's really what started it. And it spawned, you know, it kind of snowballed into the smaller, like the world, the world building type events where we'll go and we'll pick a unique place and go build a world out together. Um, and then of course we're still doing authors on a train. Then we have our bigger conference as well, which is the career author summit, um, formerly the somewhere book show summit. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the main stuff that we have going on and we can obviously, as conversation goes, dive a little deeper in each one of those. Yeah. I would add too that there's sort of an intermediary step for someone who's, who's yeah. thinking about this. And, and I, I think it's very, um, yeah, this is really good. One. I, I think it's really great to be thinking about diversifying your revenue streams as an author. I would, I would highly encourage people who feel like either organizing or putting on one of these events sounds like something they'd like to do, I think that you should definitely do it. Um, don't listen to the, the, there's too many or there's too many people doing it. I don't buy into that. Um, I think there's always room for more voices, new voices, new experiences. But I think between being a, an attendee and then uh, running or hosting, there's this other space that I would recommend people explore, which is start uh, talking or offering to speak at other events that you're not running. I think it's really important to not only 
refine your public speaking skills and your ability to present because as you know with a podcast whether you're on a podcast or on a stage you are performing it's a performance and it, and it takes a certain level of skill and practice it's not the same as having a casual conversation with somebody so i think you need to practice getting in front of people and and the way i did it is i started offering to do talks for free for my local library system and i would go in and i would hold these little workshops and i would do these talks and i did that for years and, uh, and I was a classroom teacher before that, so I, I had sort of the presentation mode refined. But doing those presentations sort of gave me the understanding of, okay, number one, what do people want? And number two, if that's what they want, how can I provide it? Or how can I find someone who can provide it? So I think there is this middle ground where you, you really have to kind of fine-tune your chops. And, and one of the ways you can do that, going back to our previous point, is you could reach out to people who are organizing events and offer to speak for free and say, hey, I'm... I'm getting, you know, experience in speaking. I love your event. Um, you know, I've been following you. I would love to. Uh, I would love to present for free to your audience if that's okay with you. And you know, some people are going to ignore you, and and some people won't. But I think getting your feet wet and really getting experience presenting, especially on a stage live in front of people, would be really important before you kind of go all the way to that point where you're going to be the organizer of the event. I, I think another. I think another step you could even take is, and I think this is kind of going to depend on where you live, um, but I almost feel like running some kind of really small event locally could be really good. And even if you don't charge anything, you know, go rent a room at like a local co-working space or something. And obviously, you know, you, if, if you're probably going to want to be in a city where there's like going to be a lot of riders that could come, but it, there's a whole other like level of complexity of planning an event and risk when you're talking about go like, you know, and for instance, in September, we're going to Seattle and we live in Cleveland and Nashville and Seattle is a like five, five or six hour plane ride for each of us. So like to plan an event in Seattle and not live there is like, there's a lot of complexity around that. And, you know, Jay and I both have a background playing music and I know me personally, I know he has some, like I used to plan like a festival and stuff, like a music, a small music festival. And so like I have some event planning background and, um, and I mean, it may, it, there's a lot of little logistical things that you may not think about whenever you're playing an event. And, you know, we're still learning as we go and learn along the way. But I think that doing something locally small, maybe you get try to get 10, 15 people or something to come show up and you do like a lecture type thing. Or maybe you guys do like a world building. I don't know. Like, but I think that can kind of help you start to see kind of the logistics of putting something together and getting people to show up as well which is kind of a step ahead of like having the library organize something you showing up and speaking, which I also think is that's a great, great way to, to get started on that too. Yeah. And it is a great point around getting a bit of practice with people uh, speaking in front of people because uh, even for an introvert is certainly doable, but, but you sort of need to, to get used to it a bit and then you can, uh, you can, make yourself do it, so to speak, almost. But, but I, want, I mean, I, and I think it's a good point to, to sort of work your way up to it and, and do some of those smaller events for, for a start, if that's what you want to go. But, I, but at the same time, I also know that it's pretty important for you guys that the event doesn't grow too big. Uh, so yeah. I'm wondering, how do you balance this side of, okay, you, you, you sort of, you have some cost into it because you have to rent a place and probably get some food and drink and whatnot. Uh, and then at the same time, if you don't have enough people coming, then I guess either you can have a very, very high ticket price, which I don't think you guys are doing either, unless I'm mistaken. 
uh, or you can have a ton of people at a lower price. But, but how do you balance it out? Because if you're doing, I mean, if you're just doing it for fun, then it's fine. But if you're doing it as a sort of supplementary income, then you need to earn a bit from it, right? So what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think it's really important to be completely transparent and honest and say that anytime you're organizing an event, you're taking a risk. Yeah. Uh, financially, uh, m mostly financially, but you're, you're risking your reputation as well. I mean, I, I don't think we're at this point anymore, but I remember we had conversations of like, what if we, what if we roll out an event and no one shows up or no one's interested? Like, yeah. <laughs> there, you know, there's a cost that's involved there um, at, at a certain point, but, but more importantly, you know, the, the events, you know, for, for authors on a train, we're renting a mansion in San Francisco. Well, we had to put 50% down on that before we put up the landing page. And for the Career Author Summit, we had to secure the, the, the conference center before we put the landing page up. And, you know, so part of that is you need some savings. You need to have some money set aside that you're willing to, to risk. I mean, you can mitigate your risk, but at the end of the day, anytime you're putting money up before you're selling tickets, you are taking a risk. So I think it's important to recognize that, and uh, and we've been, we've been willing to do that, and and you know we've been successful. We we haven't lost a ton of money doing it, and, and we've made money in most cases. But you do need to have money willing to sort of put up and, and to to secure those. As far as the events themselves are concerned, our wheelhouse, our specialty is really these small sort of intimate gather, world world building gatherings, and so. Authors on a Train and um, Sci-Fi Seattle and Vampires in New Orleans. These are events where we're only taking a dozen people. So we know that we don't need to have, you know, uh, $100 in Facebook ads a day running to drive traffic to that landing page because we're, we're going to sell them out. It's only 12 people. And we charge enough that we're going to make some money, but it's not so exorbitant that people can't afford it. So that's sort of the, the one style of event that we really like doing. The Career Author Summit, we kind of kind of fell into our lap. Um, it wasn't something we had planned on doing. Uh, the Summer Book Show, Brian Cohen decided he didn't want to do that summit any longer. And we had such positive energy and momentum for that event, we didn't just want to let it go. And so Zach and I went to Jim Kukrell and said, all right, well, Brian doesn't want to, want to do this anymore. And it was all good. In fact, Brian's going to be speaking at the Career Author Summit. But we said, what if we continue it? We'll rebrand it as the Career Author. But we made a very hard definitive decision very public decision and said we're not growing it it's at 120 115 is about the max yeah. Yeah. yeah that's about the number of seats we're going to sell and we're not growing it past that and when they'll sell out they'll sell out and we and could we could but yeah we're not going to yeah i mean uh, we're by you know we're we're very close to having that sold out now and it's 11 months away so it's not it's, and that's not a slight against events that, are, that grow larger become larger but we find in our own experience that uh, once you go above 115, 120 people, it's, it starts to feel more like a trade show and less like um, a conference or a workshop. And that's just not what we do. We, we like to be able to walk around and interact with everyone. We like people to have the opportunity to meet all the other people there. And w once you go north of 125, it's hard to do that. Mm. I, I, think, I think going back to kind of swing back to your original question too is, you know, uh, it, this it's very risky, and, and Jay will tell you like what, we kind of laugh because we joke that uh, when we're coming up with these things, Jay always starts with yes, and I always start with no. So Jay comes to me with these super ambitious ideas, and I'm always like, no, no, we got to pare it down, and we end up somewhere in the middle, and it really works out. But I think that not getting too ambitious and trying to knock it out of the park so hard the first time 
when if, if when you're not really sure what all the costs are going to be and stuff, uh, it's, it's really important. So don't, you know, you obviously want to put on a good event, but, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to take all your attendees to the fanciest restaurant and have the fanciest venue. And we've made that mistake. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we had a, a, one of our events, you know, we, uh, we're going to try to make it a little bit bigger and we rented a, a bigger type when I mean, we ran a whole theater, <laughs> you know, and uh, we, we did a lot of different things and that event as awesome as it was and as fun as we ended up having on it uh, ended up losing money for us. So, and it's because we kind of went, we got too ambitious and we learned a lot from that though. And, and realized, you know, we, we'd rather deliver these really cool experiences. The problem was is that we were trying to get more people than we really should have. And we really realized then, like for our smaller world building events, like 15 people max is kind of like, that's really where our sweet spot is. And with that, you know, we can still make enough money to like be at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or at the Mopop Museum and see, like we can still do really, or rent a mansion. You know, we can still do this really cool stuff and still have room for us to make money as well. One element is around the the venue that you are reserving or paying for, but the other part is also how what type of event you're running. And by that I mean, if you are running something like like you're talking about here, like a world building event where it doesn't take much prep in the way that okay maybe you have some initial idea for a world, but people then come to the event and and basically the work is done there in the event. But if you have more like a presentation type of event, either you would need to run the same presentations every time so that you don't have to prep too much or you or if you, because if you do want to create a new presentation every time at the end of the day that is time away from writing and unless you are really earning money on that event it, it, if you're just covering your cost or earning a thousand dollars you know my question would be is is that really worth it I, I think that's a very legitimate question. I think the answer is going to be really dependent on on the individual situation. Zach and I need to make enough money to make it worth our while. We sort of we know between us what that is, and that that's got to cover our own cost of of getting there. The cost of not writing during that time, I think I think that's an, an, another cost that factors into it. And I think it depends on the event. So if you're talking about something like the Career Author Summit, preparing to present at that. A lot of the work comes ahead of time, and then you present, and then it's kind of over. But world building is kind of the opposite of that. So there's not a ton that we do leading up to it, but then once it's over, we publish an anthology. And Zach's right now is going through all the stuff from, from Rocket Pock in Cleveland, and that's that's a full-on anthology publication, revision, yeah. editing. And it's content. a lot of work. <laughs> you know? So, you know, it, yeah. it, and, it, and, and like that's – that's work that we're not quote unquote getting paid for. That was part of the ticket for the event. So that's just stuff that we're obligated to do that we enjoy doing. So I, I think it really it really comes down to the person and sort of like what type of event do you want to do you want to put on? What do you hope to get out of it? And and what sort of resources do you have to spend on it? And that's both time and money. And I think too, I think I think it is important to mention too that there's two of us. <laughs> yeah. Which if that's not obvious, but for people who don't know, you know, we do these events together, but we also write fiction together. So even when our fiction production doesn't necessarily have to stop, you know, because Jay might go do a, be working on a presentation, but I might be working on our fiction. So I do think that's important to bring up because, but that's not to say that one person still couldn't manage this stuff on their own and still run their fiction business and do events. There's nothing that says that mm-hmm. by any means, but uh, I just think that's important to bring up for this conversation sure. too, though. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, true. Yeah, and, and I don't, certainly don't think that this is anything, you know, the, the starting out author should really worry about or try to do. But, yeah. but even if you're not collaborating with somebody else, you know, if you're a bit further down your career path, you might have a virtual assistant who can help booking stuff and whatnot. So, so that's Absolutely. a possibility, yeah. of course. You're probably going to need some help to do an event, there's yeah. no doubt. Yeah. Um, depending on the size and scope, what you're trying to do, like you're probably going to need some help. But like you said, you can definitely hire people out to help you with stuff. So, is there anything else we should cover around uh, organizing events? Is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't? I mean, as far as organizing an event goes, I think it. You know, really, the big takeaway what Zach mentioned is is if you if you're really interested, do something very small and local for free. And that's the best way to get a feel for a lot of this. Everything from logistics to uh, the type of people you want there to the, the, the presentations or the workshops that you want to do. And, and maybe depending on where you live and, and who's near you, you can just invite a few of your friends and just say, hey, come for free. You know, let's all do this together. I'll, I'll sort of run it and I'd love to just get your feedback on it. And I think starting small and, and starting locally is probably the best way to do it because the last thing you want to do is to is to think planning something like the Career Author Summit sounds awesome and you'd love to do that and then you start to do it and realize it's not something you enjoy <laughs> or or it's or it's something that you, you don't want to spend time on and then you're kind of stuck. So I think if you start small, then you're going to have a much better uh, you'll have much a, a much better idea for yourself as to what whether you can do something more grandiose in the future. I think that's, that's very good advice, and uh, it's, all, it's always good to get some advice from somebody who has actually done it, you know, rather than people speculating on what, what might be good or bad. So uh, I very much appreciate that. Sure, and, absolutely. Uh, I did mention the Career Author Podcast in the beginning, and I will put a link to that. Uh, so if you're watching on YouTube, it's going to be right below this video, and if you're on the podcast, just go to the show notes. But is there anything else, guys, where you want to mention where people can find you, or, or is this is it just the Career Author podcast you want to point people? Yeah, to? I mean everything's over at thecareerauthor.com. You can get the podcast there. Uh, if you, all our events are there, so if you're interested in attending one of our events, um, you know we're right now we are uh, all our 2019 stuff. Well, the only thing we have left is Sci-Fi Seattle. It's sold out. Our 2020 stuff is almost sold out. So. Um, we, we have the Career Author Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. That's uh, in May of 2020. We've got some great speakers. We'll be there. We've got Joanna Penn, Lindsay Broker, Brian Cohen, Jim Kukrell, Mark Leslie Lefebvre, uh, Honoré Quarter. We've got some really good speakers lined up for that, um, and we're getting really close to being sold out for that. As of this recording, I don't know what it will be when you guys, when you air, but we're, I think we have like maybe 15, 20 tickets yeah, left. So we're on 15 tickets. Um, so we've got that going on. We have uh, Authors on a Train, California Dream is what we're calling that. Um, so we'll be, taking a we'll be taking a train from Los Angeles, California, up to San Francisco uh, with a group of authors. And uh, we will be doing, we'll be staying in a mansion for a few days and we're going to build out an anthology together, write stories, collaborate. That's a collaboration event. Um, that has like one or two tickets available as of right now. Um, and then we also have Vampires of New Orleans, which uh, will be taking place Halloween weekend, which if anyone who's never been in New Orleans, that's like the best time to go to New Orleans. The weather's really good. Um, and and it, there's so much cool stuff that happens there during Halloween. And uh, we're going to be doing, we have some really cool stuff lined up. We're going to be doing while we're there, but then we're going to be writing vampire stories, publishing anthology, 
Um, and that is, we don't have many tickets left for that either, I don't think. So, and again, yeah, so this is all for 2020. So you can check all that stuff out. I mean, if you're someone, again, who's interested in May running events, you can, it's got all the stuff there. You can kind of see what we're doing and, um, you know, maybe, maybe that'll spark some ideas for you as well. So, yeah, but everything's at thecareerauthor.com. All right, yeah, and I don't think there's anybody within this uh, fantasy author audience here who doesn't like vampires. The only thing you need is you, you're missing the dragons, so you need to put them in somehow. But... We'll get there oh, eventually. Right. 2021, <laughs> we'll bring dragons. Cool. Maybe, yeah, maybe we'll come closer to where you live, and uh, we'll get a castle somewhere and do dragons. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot for coming on to M Writing Fantasy, guys. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank yeah, you for having pleasure. us. Thank we appreciate you. it. Yeah. All right. And to you out there, see you next Monday.